0: Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In this week's programme, the Rugby World Cup First Five curse strikes the All Blacks once again, with Aaron Cruden set to miss this year's tournament. A warrior for life, winger Manu Vatabai signs on with the NRL club for another three years. Can the Wellington Phoenix make the A-League Grand Finals? We assess their chances with coach Ernie Merrick. We talked to rally driver Hayden Paddon about the road ahead in Argentina, and two-time Olympic medalist Wesley Goff calls time on his track cycling career. The All Blacks first 5-8 Aaron Cruden's thoughts are already turning to the 2019 World Cup. Cruden learnt earlier this week that he's set to miss this year's World Cup after rupturing ligaments in his left knee while playing for the Chiefs. He now needs a knee reconstruction which will take six months recovery and rules him out of the World Cup in Britain which kicks off in September. Cruden was a late replacement in the 2011 World Cup squad and was injured in the final against France. The 26-year-old Cruden was set to be a key figure in the All Blacks 2015 squad but if he wants to take a full part in the tournament he'll have to wait four more years.
1: hard to believe initially just due to the fact that um, you know the swelling around my knee it, it hasn't flown up um, it still um, feels you know it's still a little uh, it's a little bit sore, but it still feels um, reasonably strong so I guess um, in that instance then just the nature of the injury I guess it wasn't a contact injury it was just sort of running um, propping off to change direction and then sort of was um, was struck down by a sniper so yeah it's, it was sort of hard to take initially um. Had a couple of days to get my head around it and I still don't really know if it's sunk in, but, um, yeah, for me now, I just, I just have to put my energy and focus into, I uh, just getting back as quick as I can and contributing to to this team here at the Chiefs and, um, you know, then if the All Blacks, if they need me in any way, doing that as well. So, um, yeah, it's sort of a pretty tough pill to swallow. It.
0: Have you completely ruled out making it to the World Cup?
1: No, no, I think, um, you know, I'll... Probably, you look at the last World Cup, there were a few injuries and guys getting called in late. So I guess, you know, all going well. If my rehab and recovery ticks along nicely, then who knows what can happen.
0: Do you think the World Cup's got something against you, given what happened in 2011 and, and now this? Uh,
1: no, no, I don't. The fact that, you know, you may be brought out of the World Cup this year make you more hungry to be around and be part of New Zealand rugby in
2: four years' time for another crack, possibly?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I guess um, you know I've committed until 2017, and um, I guess at that stage I'll, I'll reassess once again. But um, yeah, I wanted to obviously contribute and be a big part of uh, the All Blacks campaign at, at the Rugby World Cup this year. And um, now that that's potentially taken away, or yeah, more than likely taken away, I guess, um, yeah, I'll, I'll reassess. I'll reassess and reevaluate write down some new goals and potentially yeah in four years' time uh, rugby World Cup uh, comes around again then then that'll be a goal but yeah at this stage I guess four years is, is quite a long way away and um, yeah I don't know it's, yeah it's a tricky one
0: that's Aaron Cruden and we're joined now by our rugby correspondent Barry guy Barry. This Rugby World Cup curse of First 5'8", how big a deal is the fact that uh, there's going to be no Aaron Cruden, it would seem, for the World Cup?
3: It's been rather calm, I think, actually, uh, Stephen. As of the last uh, year or two, when Dan Carter has continued to have his issues and Aaron Cruden stepped in, the the country seemed to uh, accept that. And, you know, there was peace and calm and we all got on with our jobs and the All Blacks did well. I think a little bit in reverse now that Cruden's out I think the depth that has been developed in recent years in that position um, has meant that uh, we've shown that we can survive without certain key players and the team as a whole can continue to overcome that and and win, of course. And now we have Bowden Barrett there as well, Dan Carter and Colin Slade. And so, uh, you know, the the depth looks good and and we, I think, um, can ride this out at this stage anyway. Although, I suppose...
0: It does seem there's a bit of a World Cup curse, doesn't there, with the first five eights, and in such a key position, there's always a sense of nervousness, because, I mean, Dan Carter's a bit injury-prone, so, I mean, for argument's sake, if he goes down, then where does that then leave us?
3: Yes, I wonder why there is that uh, situation. Um, we should ask Graham Henry, he's kept very quiet with us. I know in 2011 he was ropeable when they started to fall over. Uh so, yes, we have uh, Cruden out. He, I don't think, you know, there was an outside chance he could play, but I think the fact that he actually hasn't, um, going to be playing any rugby ahead of the World Cup will count against him. Dan Carter, as long as he does get through, uh, this season, Bowden Barrett and Colin Slade. Uh, Lima Sopawanga from the Highlanders has been mentioned as someone else that is uh, next on the list, but I do think possibly he's a year or two away. He might come into the All Black fold next year. So um, I think that they can they can uh, cope with it. Dan Carter, it has been suggested that he is not playing his best rugby at the moment, whether he is saving himself. I, I don't think that, that is the case. But um, I do think that when you come to the World Cup, you need that experience. And someone ahead like Dan Carter, he might not have all the other bits working 100%, but he's still got the head to get the team through. And let's just hope that the other bits... Uh, stay together enough for him to actually play on the field. So how would you feel
0: if Dan Carter wasn't there and it was Bowden Barrett and Colin Slade that the All Blacks were relying on?
3: I think they'd be starting to sweat. I see Bowden Barrett more as the key player coming off the bench, you know, the last quarter when things tend to open up for the All Blacks and he makes the most of it. I wouldn't uh, say that... uh, their chances had ended if Bowden Barrett or Colin Slade was the number one uh, uh, first five for the All Blacks in the World Cup but uh, perhaps wouldn't have the same sort of confidence. So uh, yeah there is going to be some pressure on them. Uh, Of course uh, there's limited build-up to the World Cup. There's only one match against Samoa and three matches in the Rugby Championship. So I don't think there's going to be too much experimenting. They're going to want the likes of Dan Carter, Bowden Barrett, and Colin Slade to get some time in that, just in the environment, and therefore I don't think there's any chance of someone else coming into the mix, just because um, you know they really don't have enough time to get them up to speed for the All Blacks. Uh, does it then get to the point where Steve Hansen maybe tries to wrap one or two of them in, in cotton wool over over the next couple of months? Uh, I think possibly he would like to do that, but I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Uh, Possibly they're going to play half a game, or early in the second half someone will come off and they might start the other person in another game. Uh, They'll say, of course, it's uh, horses for courses. Uh, But uh, uh, I don't think they'll uh, come out openly and say that um, we're protecting these guys ahead of the uh, World Cup. Because then you know there's every chance that it'll definitely come back to bite them in the bum, so to speak. So um, yes, I think I think out of those three guys, they will share a bit of time in the rugby championship, definitely, and uh, they will have their fingers crossed. I suppose too, he's got to be pretty nervous, Steve Hansen,
0: as he watches the or the second half of the, the Super Rugby competition unfold. Uh,
3: exactly, uh, it's it's like every nation, I suppose. The you know same with the. Um, South Africans and the Australians, of course, the Northern Hemisphere teams. You know they can pretty much just work towards the World Cup now, but uh, you know the South Africans have had injury issues, and they're still uh, hoping a few of their key guys will come back by the time the Super Rugby competition finishes. Uh, Yeah, it's that depth thing again. There, there are certain areas: the second row, perhaps uh, a couple of props, hooker, definitely with Dane Coles not playing at the moment. Uh, and But I, in the backs, that they're not too bad. Halfback, Andy Ellis is playing well. He would be probably the third halfback there as well now. So, yeah, there's just a couple of areas in the forward pack, I think, that they'll be making sure the likes of Brodie Retellick, Sam Whitelock, uh, a couple of the props, and, yeah, definitely Dane Coles. They want back playing in the Super Rugby shortly because uh, they're going to be a bit light on it uh, ahead of the World Cup otherwise.
0: I was talking to Radio New Zealand's rugby correspondent, Barry Guy. The Warriors all-time leading try scorer Manu Vatavai has signed a new three-year deal which will extend his career to a record 15 seasons with the National Rugby League Club. The 29-year-old is now in his 12th consecutive NRL season and he'll remain at the Warriors until the end of 2018. Vatavai says he looked at other options including rugby union but says his hope is to be a warrior for life.
4: Really happy with it just glad that um, the club still sees me as a, a player that they they, um, they want, so yeah, I'm happy with it.
5: I guess that's quite a vote of confidence, isn't <clears> it? I mean, not that 29 particularly old, but in the backs, perhaps, you know, not a young man anymore, but they're giving you a three-year deal here.
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think um, I wanted to secure something um, long-term now, because uh, I know I'm not getting any younger, so I've got to do something that, that, that's right for myself and, and my family and, and for the, and the club too, so we're happy that um, we came to terms. And there was uh, some interest. Sorry, there was some interest from. Uh, you, like you, you were talking about maybe rugby union overseas. I believe not too too long ago. Yeah, There's some interest from overseas clubs as well. Yeah, you know, I, I had to look around. Um, this, was, this, this was coming into like one of my last um, negotiations, so you know, I had to look around and, and see if there was an interest in rugby too, because that's a sport that I that, that I love too. So um, uh, you know, this this kind of felt uh, everything. So. You know, uh, the Warriors done a lot for myself, so i got to stay here. Do you see yourself as <clears throat> being a one club player for for your career? Just like going to be your one club? Yeah, that's that's something I've um, always wanted to do. You know, I, I don't see myself in another club or another team. So um, the Warriors will be um, one jersey I want to wield from uh, my whole career. And, you know, hopefully I can do that. Uh, but you know, I've got to I've got to perform and. You know, I got to do everything that, that that's required of me. So, um, you know, I just got to keep keep building and keep looking after myself. So, yeah. It's been a, a big couple of weeks for you—the 200 match and then beating Niall in this record and now signing this uh, this deal. It's like yeah. a sort of weight off your shoulders. Um, I'm happy that I got my 200 out of the way, but um you know, I was overwhelmed with all the support and, and people that um, they sent me all the congratulations um, our videos and stuff. So. Yeah. You know, I was uh, pretty shocked there, yeah, and, and you know, get to, to get the, um, <coughs> the record with the tries, you know, there was you know, I never knew, never ever thought that I'd ever, ever reach that, um, that kind of milestone with, with the tries. Um, you know, I, I never take credit for all, all the tries, you know, um, there's always a team effort, and you know, just to uh, restart the game, you know, that's something that I've always wanted to do, and always wanted to um, uh, do for the club, so hopefully, you know, there's many more to come, so yeah. Was there a special feeling when you dotted down last weekend and realised that, you know, you were you had gone past Nigel? Well, to be honest, no. Um, I never, um, never never, was in the, in the back of my mind. I was just thinking of just, just going across the line and you know, hopefully I can do another one for the team, you know, because uh, um, we, were, we were playing pretty, pretty soft and uh, pretty hard in, the, in that game and... Doing a lot of errors, so you know, I was I had more other stuff to to focus on, and, uh, and after the game until they until they told me and uh, saw on social media, I was yeah I was pretty happy, and you know Nigel was a person that I looked up to, and he's a person uh, when I met the Kiwis well, he, he was my first roomie so um, you know he's he showed me the ropes a little bit, and um, he's, he's looked after me really well, so yeah. You saw his tweet. Yeah, I saw his tweet and to uh, congratulate me and. I just tweeted back and saying that you know, I need my revenge on, uh, on pool table, so... <laughs> He's one up on me on the pool table, so i got to get that back. <laughs> yeah. And no signs of slowing
0: down? I mean, often you hit your late 20s, you know, the pace starts to go, but you don't seem to be slowing down at all. Touchwood.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, touch wood, they, they, they don't slow down, but... um you know, the, uh, the medical staff and, and the coaching staff has done an awesome job of looking after my body, and I know... Um, at some point, I'll, I'll initially slow down, but you know, right now I just gotta uh, maintain what I have and, and just be smart with looking after my body and, and uh, doing everything right. So if I feel my body is um, no good, then I've got to pull myself out of training. So um, I know I'll get a lot of flack from, from the boys, but I've got to do what's best for me.
0: That's Warriors winger Manu Vatavai. Top two finish beckons for the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League football competition as they head into the final round of regular season matches this weekend. But are they really title contenders? No team's gone on to win the A-League title without finishing first or second during the regular season. The Phoenix already guaranteed a finals playoff spot. They currently sit fourth but will automatically leapfrog Perth glory, win or lose on Sunday as Perth have been ruled out of finals contentions for salary cap breaches. If the Phoenix beat Sydney FC this weekend, they can displace them in second spot. But the Phoenix have won just one of their last four games, and they lost to Sydney FC last time they played, although Coach Merrick is confident they can overturn that result.
5: We've got to correct how we played last time against them. I think we were fairly naive. I don't think we defended well against a 4-2-2-2 system. Uh, I think we can do a better job defending there. Yeah? And I think we need to be more creative in attack. And I won't go into specifics, but I, I think we can attack them better. So all in all, the, the cards have fallen the right way for us. Here's an opportunity. It's an opportunity that the players have earned. And we don't want to hold anything back, especially in this last game leading into the finals. If you get to the top two and you get that week off, would that necessarily be a good thing? Finishing the higher you finish from my experience in the league the better although if we don't finish in the top two it's not all doom and gloom because the finals have changed no one gets a double chance you, um, everyone's got either two games to play or three games to play I would say that if you're in the top two you you're better. You have a better opportunity but it's not all doom and gloom if we finish third
0: A week off would that be a good thing for you though do you think or you might stagnate a little
5: I don't think at this stage you'd st- you'd stagnate at all with any break I think a break would probably be good physically and sometimes mentally and uh, if you finish second uh, there's a psychological edge there as well um, we're, we're pretty keen just to look at this last game, play the way we can play, hopefully we get a big crowd because I really feel that the crowd got us over the line last week against the Marners their support, even when we were losing was fantastic, it was like we had 20,000 people in the stands and uh, it was fairly noisy when we scored that winning goal. So it was exciting. It was a real event, and we'd love to get a lot of people to come along and enjoy a, a big event for Wellington this weekend.
0: You made the, the comment ahead of that Mariners game that you didn't look like a top-two side given the way you've been playing. Do you think that's changed in your mind
5: given the way that last game against the Mariners went? Only, only the two games against... Sydney and victory that I spoke about I felt as though we didn't look like a top two side but I think all year we have and uh, I think we're back to that and we've got the players back in the experienced players, especially getting Sigmund back last week and Riera playing his best football and Vince Lee is looking 100% now and he always plays really well with Riera Roli Bonavaccia is looking exciting McClinchy burns is on fire it's all looking good you must have been pulling your hair out though a bit in that game, surely. Possession wise, there's a lot of turnovers. Yeah, I still felt as though we had opportunities. And uh, a goal, as I've continually said, changes games. And we've scored a lot of goals this year, we've won a lot of games. So, overall, I don't worry about any one or two games, it's about consistency and we've been consistent over the year and that's what's got us to where we well. are. Do you think you need to maybe come up with a few more plan B's or alternative options when the lights of Boone's
0: uh, are shut down like they, they were? Absolutely,
5: absolutely and you've, you've really put your finger on what we've been working on. And uh, As soon as the teams start playing the same way, weekend, week out and it becomes predictable then the opposition uh, close you down and close down your strength so you're pretty well spot on about what training has occurred this week it's about plan B sometimes plan C So do you need more from the likes of Michael McGlinchey? Yeah, I think that everyone should lift their game everyone we did, we got f- 45 minutes in the second half and 15 minutes in the first half, so everyone should lift their game. But uh, Plan D is uh, get Cunningham on the field. He was he was terrific when he come come on and scored two two great goals, and he's he's really been good for us, particularly off the bench as an impact player. I was
0: talking to Phoenix coach Ernie Merrick. This weekend's Rally of Argentina is going to provide New Zealand driver Hayden Padden with possibly his biggest challenge so far on the WRC circuit. Padden's completed a reconnaissance of the course and the Hyundai driver says some of the stages are the roughest he's ever seen. The rally's being held in the Cordoba province, 700 kilometres from Buenos Aires. Padden says some parts are proper four-wheel drive tracks and it will be a matter of guiding the car through without breaking it. He's currently 10th in the standings after three rounds. He missed the opening event, finished second of the second rally in Sweden, and then crashed out on day two of the Mexico rally failing to pick up any points. Hayden Patton told me he's hoping for a top eight finish this time, if not better.
6: The biggest challenge uh, for this rally is is uh, just how rough the, the stages are on the roads, and um, you know I think this year's particularly rougher than uh, previous years with the, the recent floods and things that we've had, so um, you yeah, know, makes it challenging for everybody, uh, us included. And it really is a matter of trying to look after the car and and, um, and try and judge the speed as best as possible. So it's uh, probably the early rally in the championship where it's probably not all about outright speed. Um, it's about a combination of things and, and even a little bit of luck.
0: So does that help you at, at all? The fact that it sounds as though more driver skill.
6: Hard to say, like um. You know, I guess uh, in the past, our general sort of approach to rallies has been uh, maybe a little bit um, less risky than us. Um And, you know, I, I always try to tend to drive the car quite smooth. And, and when you have conditions like this, where there's a lot of big rocks and, and holes and things around, then, yeah, I'm sure that maybe play playing for our hands a little bit. But as I say, you know, there are so many variables and so many things that can be changing. Um, you know, we did, did the reconnaissance and it was obviously rough, but when we get in the stages, you know, we could find rocks the size of football. Uh, right in the middle of the road, and you know, laughing that you, you can't do much about those sort of things. So, um, you know, we have to play things right here a little bit as well.
0: A top eight finish, that's the the goal, is it?
6: Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think I think we're definitely going to see a lot of attrition uh, this weekend. You know, I think the target's really going to be to try and look after the car and get to the finish. And, and if we can do that, then I don't think, you know, we can be well within the top eight, uh, maybe even higher. So, um, first and foremost, we just have to focus on our own game and, and just. And avoid the, the rocks.
0: How different have you found things this year on the circuit, generally? And maybe your expectations of, of what you want and expectations from from others, given you've had sort of a, a couple of seasons there now?
6: The first part of this year was always going to be the most difficult for us. All the three events up until now are events that we either haven't done before or was only done once before a long time ago. So our experience on these events is not so great and, and that's not helping us. Uh, but once we get back to Europe, um, you know we're back on rallies that we're familiar with and that we've had some good track records on so you know that's where we believe we can um, step up the pace so we're just going through a, a phase at the moment where we have to be patient and, and just learn as much as we can and that's always expected of us from the team as well
0: so you, your team's not you're not getting that pressure you, you are sort of being given room to to grow and to, to learn
6: oh, of course uh, you know we're still you know very new at this level compared to everybody else and uh, we, we still have a lot to learn, so okay. And in, in the second part of this year, I think the expectations from myself and the team will be to uh, start being close to the front and and to get some good results. But in the meantime, that's certainly not the target. So um, we're just going to stay focused on on the year as a whole and, and not just uh, each rally.
0: That's New Zealand rally driver Hayden Paddon ahead of this weekend's round of the WRC in Argentina.
1: Against three in the men's team pursuit, right off
5: for the bronze medal. Every time they've been challenged, they've found something. This is a brilliant ride by New Zealand across the line as one and consecutive bronze medals.
0: The two-time Olympic cycling medalist Wesley Goff has announced his retirement from track cycling to focus on road racing. The 27-year-old, who's been part of New Zealand track cycling teams for a decade has joined an Australian-based team that will compete in the third-tier Oceania Continental Series. Goff was part of the team that won bronze medals in a team pursuit at the Beijing and London Olympics and three team pursuit medals at the World Champs. I asked him what brought him to this decision.
2: The last couple of months I've had a bit of time to sort of sit down and reflect and yeah sort of basically just um, feel like it's the right time for for me to step away and focus on some uh, new goals. That's on and off the bikes.
0: Was it a case of you thought you might not get a run at Rio?
2: No, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, like I uh, course, there's a lot of depth in the team at the moment, but um, I still, I still knew that I definitely had a shot to to make that team, which would have been my third Olympics. So, no, that wasn't wasn't entirely it. But yeah, um, a, few, a few different things.
0: The road, presumably, is maybe a bit more financially
3: lucrative.
2: Not so much um, for the level that I'm at. Um, you know, my team's a continental level team, which is sort of the, the third tier for cycling teams, if you like. However, for, for a lot of riders, you know, who are who are achieving on the track, then, then it can be. Um, that, that can be the case. You know, guys uh, switching over to, to world tour teams, which is, yeah, certainly at that level is a, a lot more lucrative.
0: Because, I mean, you've been part of what's been a huge renaissance, isn't it, in tracks like cycling for New Zealand. Maybe talk us through what that has meant and just how you've seen that unfold.
2: Yeah, no, it's been an, ama- an amazing journey really the last 10 years. Um you know when I first started there was there was no indoor velodrome at all in the country. Um certainly none in Hawke's Bay at all. And now we've got two indoor velodromes in the country and and with the home of cycling there it's a world class facility so it's um it's certainly showing through um you know with the performances of the of the athletes um you know all around the country now I think basically as soon as Invercargill got built um that just that was basically a platform for, you know, for us to train and actually have the chance to put out some world class times. So that basically was the the beginning of the the phase where the team started to go quicker and quicker and really become one of the fastest teams in the world. Um, and I think you know, with the home of cycling in the North Island now, that's just gonna you know it's gonna take a couple more years for the for the flow on effect of that. But that's gonna be yeah, hopefully. Um, hopefully the same and I think there's gonna be a lot of young athletes coming through, um, you know, that are gonna be, you know, right up there in the right up there in the world.
0: What is it do you think that's been able to get New Zealand to that point, given our size and given I suppose the technology and and money that is needed to, to be competitive at track cycling?
2: New Zealand has always had good strong riders. It is different to, to Europe. There's not the, the cycling culture here like there is over there. But we've always had the talented riders. Um and I think it's basically just been a case of having the, you know, the the support in place for those riders to really achieve the the best they can, which means, um, you know, coaching, of course, the technical side of it as well with the, the equipment. Um, but as I mentioned before, with in and the training camps that we had down there um, a few years back now, we basically just started training like a a really good outfit. The coaching was good. Um, and, the, and the pathway was there, you know, to progress through the World Cups and into the World Champs. So we always had the, you know, there's always been the ability there. It was just a matter of, sort of getting those little steps in place and actually becoming a lot more specific and um, a lot more routine with some of the training.
0: What are you looking forward to the most, having gone away from the track?
2: Probably the biggest thing that will change would be the the type of training that I'll be doing instead of being um, in training, really intense training camps. Um, all the time I'll be actually I'll be based at home here in Hawke's Bay and when you focus just on the road that's basically what the, the, the biggest change would be the type of training it'll be a bit more road focused which means a bit more endurance a bit more road racing overall less uh, sort of short powerful efforts on the track so just gives you a bit of, a bit more time to sort of build up to you know focus purely on the on the road side of it rather than uh, having to do so much specific training which is uh, you know, obviously, something that you need to do um, for the track.
0: Rio on the road—is that a- an option?
2: No, it's not. A, it's not going to be a goal for me. I think um, you know that would be a, a big feat. When you think that there's, uh, you know, the quality of riders that we've got on the road at the moment—guys um, that are riding for World Tour teams—they're a step up again, so they'll be they'll be front runners for Rio selection for the road.
0: There's two-time Olympic cycling medalist Wesley Goff, who's giving up track racing, moving on to the road. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at and you can also follow us on Twitter at rnzsport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now.